place where we unpack all things related to motherhood. This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. Today on our show, we are super excited about our guest. Here in Charlotte, she is a local celebrity because she knows everything about middle schoolers. She's the author of Middle School Makeover, contributor to the Washington Post, Your Teen Magazine, and the Today Show. We are so lucky to have Michelle Eichert with us today. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So Kristen, because we have Michelle, what should we talk about today? Ooh, um, well... One of the things that I know I have been curious about a lot and run into quite a bit as a mom of a middle schooler is uh, social media. I um, recently found my middle schooler had um, downloaded Evil of All Evils to me, Snapchat, and uh, it launched into a very good discussion about what uh, social media is acceptable or not. And I know that um, when I run into these struggles, I often go back to Michelle's book, Middle School Makeover, as my Bible (laughs) related to all things social media. So I would just love to be able to talk some more about it. Great. Okay, so I I think that your reaction is really typical, that parents are are quite frightened of social media. Um, It's sort of considered the new playground for kids in middle school, and it's a strange thing for us not to understand the technology and the tools or even the intention really of social media. And I think intention is probably where we should start. So if we're looking at the kind of pros and cons of this new tool, I think some people worry about their kids becoming addicted to social media, that sort of thing. Um, But I would reframe that as what kids really crave is time with each other. At this particular time in their lives, as they're entering early adolescence, um, they are beginning to figure out who their tribe is um, and how they're going to have an identity separate from their parents. So they want to relate to other kids. They want to experience time with other kids at a, at a much um, bigger sense than they ever have before. Social media allows that. So one of the pros is that it allows you to connect with other people your age. And developmentally, I think that's really important. And we as parents shouldn't dismiss that. Um, so Snapchat, you were mentioning, is mm-hmm. one that, that caused a lot of concern. I would say one of the cons here, if we can kind of just have some balance back and forth <laughs> with pros and cons, one of the cons is that um, it can feel like a highly curated thing. And so people worry about perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Am I showing only my very best life and the very best things that I have and my very best selfie on Instagram? When Snapchat came along, um, some people got really excited, particularly kids, because it it was a tool for them to be more authentic. Mm-hmm. So instead of just showing this is my most curated, very best example of me, it's like, oh, here's a picture of myself um, shoving ice cream in my face or just having woken up after a sleepover. And it was a way to be really real with a smaller circle of friends. So, um, And let me ask about that. Yeah. It, it was – the permission to be real was because it only lasted for a minute. Is that right? And then it goes away? It's because it only lasted for a minute and because you would um, essentially have a smaller audience initially. I don't think that's still true, mm-hmm. although I think um, as, as we go through this conversation and we talk about some things you shouldn't, shouldn't 
do as parents potentially. One thing is to consider how big your child's circle is. Mm. But I always tell parents if you're considering an app like Snapchat, um, keep the circle really small because then that allows you to have maybe eight people within your close friend group who you can share things with. But yes, the idea that it would evaporate somehow, um, or at least that kids felt it would, whether Mm -hmm. that's actually (laughs) technically true or not, um, that they felt it would sort of gave them the permission to not have to put out their very best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, what I often will say is that I think that sometimes um, because of the idea that it's supposed to evaporate, Mm -hmm. um, I've seen some grown-ups who really struggle with Snapchat. And so I think that that was where I kind of came down on the idea of like, I want the stuff to be out there to be able to, for me to be able to see what's going on. But at the same time, hearing that perspective that it's a smaller circle and it allows for authenticity, I'm almost feeling a little guilty that I was kind of a jerk about it. No, you don't have to feel (laughs) guilty. I don't don't think you need to feel guilty about it. I think um, these things are complex. And so what's important to realize is that there isn't just one angle on any of these topics. So Snapchat is one tiny piece of a much broader subject. Um, and Snapchat itself has so many nuances. Mm-hmm. I know for, for my kids, and I think for a lot of teens, what's appealing beyond um, the things disappearing is um, getting a streak. And that becomes sort of an obsessive thing. Are you familiar with Snapchat? I'm not. No, I, so you're going to have to educate me. What is a streak? So basically what it means is that if you and I are Snapchat friends and we Snapchat every day, and I, and I won't be able to get this technically right exactly, but we get a streak going where you send me one, I send you one, it goes back and forth. And if we do it a certain number of times, we, we level up. So we get like a yellow heart, which means we talk to each other every day. This is where technically it's not oh, going to be exactly. Ask wow. your teen. Yeah. <laughs> They'll tell you. Um, and then you can get the double pink hearts or whatever it is. So it is a way of telegraphing to the world that you have a really close relationship with someone, and that's important for teens. It also is addictive feeling. I mean, I know when I go through my phone, I... I like the feeling of swiping. It feels productive to me mm-hmm. in some bizarre way. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing something, right? My finger is scrolling and the images are moving and that feels gives my brain a, a strange sense of production. So I think for kids, a streak does the same kind of thing. And mm-hmm. my daughter, who is now a senior and about to leave for college, said to me the other day, I just realized it is not fun to keep up with a streak anymore. She's like, I'm just not doing streaks. So I think that they get through it, but for a little while, it's very compelling. Yeah, and I guess the... um the mom side of me is kind of like, oh gosh, but what about those people who don't have like a double heart or whatever, you know? Sure. Because I, I can imagine um, it, you know, I have some, two, my two daughters are really into like, who is my BFF right now? Yes. And I can, I can imagine how if you don't even get to be in the game, like that could probably feel really ostracizing, you know? I agree. And I think that's something for parents to consider. I know it's, um, it can feel like you're doing the right thing to say, I just don't want my child exposed to this because it's. it sounds like even if there are some pros, there are enough cons that, it, that I should protect my child from this. But I think we need to respect the fact that kids need to connect with each other, that this is in fact how most kids are connecting. And if you have a blanket statement that I will not allow my child to participate in any way in any of these um, tools, 
you could be doing them a disservice where they don't even, like you said, they don't even get to play in the game. Yeah. Um, so it's anyway, it's something to consider. The way that I talk about social media to parents is it's it's a tool. So think of it like a knife. Mm-hmm. A knife can be really dangerous. A knife can be really sharp. A knife can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. So you just have to learn to use it incrementally um, at first with a lot of supervision and then less and less. And then hopefully you figure out how to use the tool. Yeah. That's an amazing reframe to think about it. Like it's not just this extra thing kids do. It's really a way to connect. And I remember growing up, I lived in a neighborhood where there was tons of kids. So my connection is we'd get off the school bus, we'd hit outside, we'd hang out with each other all night long. My mom was not into driving me around to friends' houses. And so I had to see the kids I was with. But I... And then I'd come in the house and I'd call my best friends. And I was on the phone with them all night. Connection is huge. crave it. Right. Yeah. Yep. I think we just need to... What what you just said is really good because we need to remember... It's hard for us as parents sometimes to put ourselves back there and go, oh, yeah, I really did spend an awful lot of time with my friends. And I yes. remember my parents complaining, why are you watching a TV show while you're connected to a telephone <laughs> that's, you know, corded yeah. to the wall? But And we wouldn't talk to each other for 30 minutes at a stretch. We yeah. might laugh at something, but you do have this deep desire to be with people who are your own yes. age at that age. Well, and I, I think that one of the, the things that I will hear from um, parents and that I also um, – will run into sometimes thinking about myself is my hope is for them to have face-to-face relationships. Yes. And, um, but I feel like it's, I, I, I do think that there's a lot of pressure and time, you know, when I think about all the after-school activities that kiddos are in, I think it, it probably is really hard to have those face-to-face relationships. I agree. And I think that where I would be concerned about a child's use of social media in terms of addiction is if they were choosing to spend time with their device over face-to-face time with other kids. I Mm -hmm. still think that the natural inclination is I want to be with people in the same room. Now, some parents listening are going to go, yeah, but they get in the same room and they all look at their phones. So (laughs) I think that um, there, there is a great book out there called it's complicated by Dana Boyd, and she says something that was really, um, really flipped the script for me on this, which is that we as adults, if we go to a football game, we might pull out our phones because we don't want to engage, right? We don't want to. We don't know the other parents there. We're embarrassed. We're alone. We're waiting for someone to arrive. So it's an easy escape. When kids pull out their phone and they're in a social situation, it's usually to enhance their experience of that situation, not to escape from it. Mm-hmm. They want to look and see if other friends are there. They want to identify who's also at the game. It's amplifying that experience. So it's less about isolation and still more about connection. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because we had um, a couple of weekends ago, I had done a weekend with a, a friend of mine. And so our sons are all friends. And we had, we rented a house and we came into the living room and the guys were all sitting there on their devices. And um, she immediately was like, we're all, we're all together. We need to be having FaceTime. And it was funny because they were sharing, they were all playing the same game together. So, and, you know, and so we had assumed that they were tuning each other out and it turns out they were actually engaging together. I mean, admittedly, they weren't playing the board games we had brought, (laughs) but but they were playing, you know, like it was actually part of being together. So I think that is a really interesting way Mm -hmm. to see it. Let me ask about kind of the flip side Mm -hmm. of that. Um, I have a lot of girls that I talk to who will say how hurt 
their feelings get when they hop online and they see that they weren't a part of something that their friends were doing. How do we help our kids navigate that? I think that is such a great thing to point out. So I I don't want to come across as sounding like social media is the greatest thing ever and you should always let your kids participate and they're just connecting with each other. So what's the problem? There are many cons um, and and this is one. And I think that balance, as with all things in life, is critical. And so we as adults have to help our kids navigate. And we can't just say, well, I never had it or I don't know how it works. And really, it's a it's a newfangled device that requires old-fashioned parenting. So that just means sitting down and talking and saying, you know, you, you can't define yourself by the number of likes you get. Or sometimes you're going to see things on here that make you feel bad. What are your coping skills for that? And identify what those are. And most often, I would think and hope that it's get off the device, get out into the world, make a connection with someone, invite them to go to the mall or the movies or dinner, play a board game. It's really important to have balance. And Mm -hmm. so we need to be talking with our kids, I think, before they get a device in their hands with these are some of the things that can come up. It could be super fun. You can connect. You can see funny memes, all of that. You can also feel left out. You can also inadvertently hurt someone and not realize it. So what are we going to do to build some coping skills around that before you even enter this world? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because even as an adult, um, you know, there have been definitely times when I see, oh, this party happened that I didn't get invited to or this get together. And, you know, hopefully I have a pretty deep well of coping skills. But it is it is really good to think about the idea that, yeah, we're not going to be included in everything and we have to have a way. I love the idea of being, you know, having coming up with something to do that we know we'll enjoy to counteract that kind of. Um, you know, wound to our ego of not being included. Right. So almost kind of this con is one reason why parents might say, I don't want my kid on social media, but it is an opportunity to build resiliency, right? That's the thing about this age is that your child is has to learn how to take the reins for themselves. Um, and it doesn't mean that you just throw them out there and let them figure it all out, but you let them dip their toe in the water bit by bit, and you're there to kind of coach them through the pitfalls, but you must expect that there will be pitfalls, and you need to practice for those a little bit. So what would it look like to dip your toe? Like, you know, yeah. if you are, if, you have, if you're talking to somebody who is nervous about it, you know, how do we introduce them to social media, and how do we know when they're ready to go deeper? From a from a parent's perspective, the first thing you should do is get on the platform your kid wants to be on before they're even there um, or simultaneously, so not after. <laughs> I mean, if you find yourself like, oh, shoot, I haven't done it yet, then, then after <laughs> your next best bet. You can't punish them for your own That's forgetfulness, right. <laughs> right? That's right. Right. But if you're just listening and you're nervous and nobody's on um, – Figure out which platform maybe your kid's asking you every day. Can I please get Instagram? Can I please get Snapchat? Whatever it is. Um, Do your research. There's plenty of information out there, lots of books. Go on and start playing. Friend a couple people and see what the app looks like. From a kid's perspective, um, what I would recommend for parents to do is to let their child sort of play with the device in – in a more neutral way. And I'll give you a specific example. When my daughter wanted Instagram, she was in fifth grade. uh, And so I allowed her to have an account, but she had to, it had to be a hobby account. So it had to be about something she was really passionate about and interested in, and she couldn't use her personal information. So it didn't have her name on it. She was really into Harry Potter and Hunger Games. Uh So she created an Instagram account called Wand and Arrow. 
Mm. And she posted photos from the movies and quotes from the book that she loved. And it taught her how to engage with other people online, how to delete things. I mean, she had some people complain about things that she posted. (laughs) So she, at a very young age, had to figure out how to deal with feedback. She also had a really great experience where she did um, downloaded some some app where she could edit things and she edited uh, a photo of one of the stars of the movie and they commented on her post about well this is a beautiful edit thank you so much so she got the pros and the cons of being on social media and once I felt like she was understanding that then she earned the right to put her name on the account and Mm -hmm. and parents should just keep an eye you don't have to comment on everything but keep a close eye and watch that sort of develop. Yeah. So it sounds like you were really connected with her through yes. this, kind That's of walking right. her through it. Do you also have a, had a – did you have a rule where she had to be friends with you? I did, yes. And I, I will say I'm not a technical person, so I don't get a lot of these apps. I'm probably like many people listening. Like they don't make sense to me. Sometimes the appeal of them doesn't make sense to me. But um, I'm a good talker. And so, <laughs> so I, you know, I set out some rules beforehand. One was you need to be friends with me on the app. And make sure that your rules, I would advise, um, that your rules are really um, symbiotic. So I would say you have to be friends with me. And in return, it's like a contract, I'm not going to comment on your photos Mm -hmm. if you don't want me to. And I would ask, I asked both my kids, can I comment if it's something nice? My daughter said, yeah, sure. My son said, no. So (laughs) (laughs) you have to ask for permission for how you're going to relate. Well, and I think it's, uh, so we started with Instagram, and um, per your advice, and uh, it was interesting because I actually had to realize how much I had to edit my own Instagram because I, had, um, I hadn't thought about what my Instagram might look like through his eyes, and, um, and there are lots of things out there that I find funny that I want, and I, you know, usually mine is based on stuff I find funny, but then I realized... I can't always do that. And and it always is interesting to me when I put something out there and he likes it because I always feel like it's funny how much I love getting a like from my son. Oh, yeah. It's like the biggest validation ever. You know? I totally agree with that. Sometimes um, my friends and I will joke that it feels like when your kids become teenagers, they're the popular kids at school and you're the kid who's like – begging them to notice you or to like you and you I think you have to learn to play it cool a little bit like yeah. it's fine whatever I'm cool with who I am and they like you more but sometimes yeah. we're so needy of their attention and approval exactly now I mean one of the things that um I, has been a little bit of um a conundrum has been that I've noticed that my son is more of a lurker on social media than a poster so I think He's posted maybe six times. All of them have been pictures of our dog, you know. And so I've been trying to think, like, how do I know that he has developed any, um, you know, like like you got any to build any skills because, yeah. um, you know, uh, so far what I know he does is he can look at other people's stuff, you know. My son's the same way. He has one photo. Um, and, yeah, I think the way that you know is by talking. Yeah. So, again, it comes back to the old-fashioned parenting. Like, you might pull something up on your phone and be like, did you see that someone posted this? What are your thoughts on that? And you can just talk about it in real time. Yeah. It's so great to hear you say old-fashioned parenting with all this new technology because the truth is there's always going to be new stuff that's really scary, right? But mm-hmm. if we can always go back to the basics of parenting, just talking about it makes it seem so much less scary. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, but you know, and so then the other thing that we will hear is – the relationship between using social media and depression and anxiety. And, you know, I mean, one of the things I always think about, I had a a parent 
that I saw, and we were talking about um, the need for the perfect selfie mm-hmm. and how um, it was interesting because the parent was viewing it as um, the child being um, uh, arrogant or narcissistic. And I was really viewing it from a lens of there was a lot of need for approval that was being played out in this. And so um, it, it led to a pretty good discussion between parent and child, but I was just wondering what your thoughts are for the parents who are getting themselves like really worked up. Like if I give them this kind of access, now they're going to become really depressed or now they're going to become really narcissistic and really self-focused. What are some of your thoughts about that? I think that, you know, back to my tool analogy, Mm -hmm. which I fall back on all the time, like pretend it's it's a knife, Mm -hmm. can be dangerous. We all accept this. Um, I think you don't really know until you know. Mm -hmm. And so this is why you have to keep a watchful eye and you need to keep engaging in real conversation with your kid and exploring this with your kid. And part of that may require getting buy-in from your kid when when they still really want this. Mm -hmm. So part of that could be, I'm willing to let you practice using this tool under these conditions. We talk about it. We do a check-in on Fridays and we say, how's it going? What did your week feel like? Did it ever make you feel bad? Mm-hmm. What's an example of a time, you know, like high-low? Did you ever play that game? Yes. Yeah. I, I've never thought of this before, but it would be cool to do a high-low check-in on social mm-hmm. media at the mm-hmm. end of the week. What was your social media high? What was your social media low this week? Um, and so if you can do that with your kid, then you can assess. It is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. If, if your child is struggling with some um, issues, some self-esteem stuff, um, and you'd know a lot more about this than I would, uh, then no, you don't need to have access to it. And e- even if not, you don't need to have access to it all mm-hmm. the time. There should be balance. But I'd say I understand the fear. I wouldn't let the fear of that make your decision for you. I would kind of go through the process and then say, okay, yep. This is, this is not a tool that my child is ready for at this age. They're still wielding that knife around yeah. like it's a ninja sword. Yes. I can't get them to calm yes. down and use it appropriately. So let's back up and say, um, let's try again later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it can always, you know, for some of my kids that I see, if they're too isolated, that has its own problems, its own set of issues. Yeah. And if you have, I feel like when I see kiddos, who really struggle with understanding how to develop social relationships, I most at times feel like this can be a bridge to at least being able to have some people who they have some contact. You know, my goal totally. always is that this is a bridge to relationships in real life, but I feel like sometimes when we say, oh, they're too depressed or they're too anxious, we almost might even be denying them something that could be a support. I agree with that completely because it is a tool for me. I'm a real introvert. I mean, I'm happy to talk and perform and things like that, but I have a lot of social anxiety when it comes to parties. Mm. My husband loves to be in a crowd. He loves to talk to people. And so he and I have to talk before we go to a party. What are some questions I can ask people? Like, Uh I I really have to give that thought. And so social media for me helps me so much because I can be like, I can ask her about her vacation. I remember she posted a picture of this or, you know, I I know her kids' names because I've seen her (laughs) online. And it's a crutch for me in that way, a good one, Mm -hmm. I think. And so I I could see it being very helpful for the kid who's too afraid to make a connection in the hallway or the lunchroom. If they could start by liking someone's post or making a Mm -hmm. comment, that is a really terrific bridge. Mm -hmm. And I imagine for somebody who really needs affirmation, it can be a really important way to get positive feedback. Yeah. 
I think it cuts both ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it can even be fun, too, to see. that. I think that's probably why I love Instagram so much, because of the fact that you get to see things through other people's lens. Mm-hmm. And so even though, yes, we can filter things and we can, you know, tweak pictures to try to make them look perfect, I also still love the idea of what people notice and what people capture. And so I feel like when um, it's it, it just is really fun for me to be able to see the things that – um, they're drawn to, you know, and I, and to me that has been able to really spark some good conversations. You know, I mean, I could understand sometimes I think that there, it can go in the wrong direction, but, um, but I still think that there, there are some benefits. Michelle, you had an equation in your book, Middle School Makeover. Could you talk about that? Yeah, because that's so funny that you brought that up because you just reminded me yeah. of this, that um, one of the things that we, we hyper-focus on is kids' relationships on social media and and selfies and that sort of thing. Um, And it really, as a tool, is so much more than that. And so I think I have something in my book that breaks down um, 10 different categories of things that you could post about on social media. And it might be, um, you know, a cause that you're really interested in. I I see a lot of kids posting right now about gun control and and Mm -hmm. things because it's in the news and that is relevant and important to them. Um, Or you might post about your pet. Or you might post about something that you really enjoy doing. Could be a soccer drill, could be a recipe that you just made, um, that sort of thing. So if you think about balance again, not just in terms of how much time I'm spending on and off, but when I'm on, is there balance in what I'm doing and how I'm using the tool? So that means you don't just use social media to connect with the kids in your grade. You're also connecting with your parents. Maybe you're connecting with some celebrities who you think are really good role models. Maybe you're connecting to some causes and they're posting really positive things every day. But if what you're seeing in your feed is formulated to be more balanced, I think that's helpful too. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, And then the other thing is, how do we know, like, how do we know that we're ready to back off? Like, when do we feel comfortable not to be monitoring them so much? I think when you f- when you aren't seeing any indication online or in real life that things are bad. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's, I mean, it's normal to withdraw to a certain degree when you're a teen. Um, but if they're cocooning all the time at the expense of hanging out with other people, that might be a red flag for me. I mean, at the expense of hanging out with their parents, I get, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's completely age appropriate. But at the expense of hanging out with their friends, then that might be a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go, initially you're looking at the end of every week maybe, or maybe you're looking every other day. I don't know how often you're going to look in the beginning. I can tell you you're probably going to be super bored if you look all the time. Less is, yeah, the less same is probably five more. pictures. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know parents who think they should be reading every single text that their kids write. And for mm-hmm. me, I think that that's probably overkill. I think a spot check now and again mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. Um, but again, you know your kid. You may mm-hmm. know that your kid is dabbling in some stuff that isn't safe, and therefore mm-hmm. you need to look more often. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking to sort of be a hawk just in case they come across something, there will be other signals for you, yeah. I think, besides just reading through texts. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I, you know, it's funny. Um, I took to heart some of your advice in the book about really just kind of from the very beginning having an understanding that the device belongs to the parents. Mm-hmm. It's not their device. And um, But, you know, some of the, the conversations that happen in the Daily House is – we are trying to set a pattern for how things are done because there are younger folks who are going to follow in those steps. So sometimes I'll even 
frame some of my interventions or my checks from a perspective of, I don't have any suspicions with you, but I want to also model this and I want there to be an understanding this is how we're going to do it. So that when younger siblings are also in these shoes, you can say, yes, I know I went through this too, instead of them feeling singled out because I don't have a ton of concerns. Um, I I don't want to be that parent who's like, oh, I had no clue they were doing all of these things, you know, so I I want to have enough concern um, to not you know, completely abdicate my responsibilities. But at the same time, I also feel like I'm doing it more from a modeling perspective than anything else at this point in parenting. I love that. I think that sounds really smart. And I think it sounds less emotional and less judgmental that way, because it's like, look, this is just, this is a procedural thing. It's not a (laughs) suspicious thing. It's, you know, it's just the way we do. I I really like rules. Yes, (laughs) I do too. I always feel very free when I have rules. (laughs) Michelle, it's been so good to have you on today. Thank you. Um, We get we got a snapshot of all all of your middle school knowledge, but I really want to encourage people if you want to know more, get Middle School Makeover or go to your website, which is michelleicard.com. That's right, I C A R D. Just in case. Um, You can also find uh, more information about Michelle on our website. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, and if you have any questions that you would love or curiosities that you want us to address, please visit our website and let us know and give us feedback. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Learn more at www.thecuriousmother.com, where you will find resources related to episode topics. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for listening. Bye.